0: So, in part two of our Easter series, the Easter series is called A Better View, I've entitled this morning's message, Tell Me Some Good News or Forget About It. (laughs) Tell me some good news or forget about it. I'll tell you what. Easter is next week, and it is such good news. I'm going to touch on it today. We'll complete it next week, and you know people who would come. Oh my goodness,
1: oh my goodness. Daniel, you gotta see this, look at this.
0: Okay. Yeah. How have you not seen that yet?
2: Congratulations. Thank you. Start from getting it. Tell us everything. Okay. So. I can't believe it. What is it?
0: You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> That's great. Hey, come here. You gotta listen to the story.
2: I have something to show you. we, we got to tell her mom something. Your mom or my mom? Peter! John! Come see this! The tomb! It's empty!
0: Out of gratitude to Federica Matthews and her great book Two Views of the Cross. I'll be sharing some of her thoughts this morning as I make my way through this. Good news. Just what is the good news? In the New Testament writings, the main authors referred to something called the good news. Jesus preached the good news. Paul wrote about the good news. Here's what the angels first announced in the Gospel of Luke at the coming, or the birth, of the baby Jesus. Luke's Gospel, chapter two, verse 10 and 11. But the angel reassured them, saying, don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news. The most joyous news the world has ever heard and it is for everyone everywhere underscore that it is for everyone everywhere not just churchgoers for today in Bethlehem a rescuer so important hold on to that word a rescuer was born for you he is the Lord Yahweh the Messiah you know what and for the first 1,000 years of church history and faith that announcement of good news was defined by two things. Good news is two things. And for the first thousand years of church history, good news meant these two things. Number one, Jesus forgives or cancels our sin. Secondly, Jesus defeated Hades and the power of death. Let me elaborate. In Luke's reference that we read here, to rescuing, that Jesus would rescue, that's the Greek word, soteria. In John's Gospel, chapter four, verse 42, the woman said back to Jesus at the well, we no longer believe just because of what you've said, or actually this is the crowd that the woman Having met Jesus at the well and her life being changed, she went back to tell the whole city. And this is their testimony. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you've said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the soteria, the savior, the deliverer of the world. It means rescued from evil, not from the father, not from the father's wrath. Saved like being saved from drowning. Salvation brings us not only forgiveness, but release from the bondage and misery of sin. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John chapter 1, verse 20, uh, 29. Not just the penalty of sin, but sin itself. And originally, salvation was a victory. It was the rescuing of the Hebrew people in the Red Sea event. Now, Orthodox Christianity, has always believed these two things about the good news and about what salvation meant. Orthodox Christianity preached that death and victory in Hades was the turning point of the universe. When that happened, the whole universe was set free. The whole universe changed and turned. Death has been slain. Death has been put to death. Christ's victory in Hades delivers us from death. Here's a few references. John chapter 5, verse 25, the dead will hear his voice. Speaking of Jesus going down into Hades, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. In saying he ascended, what did it mean? But that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also he who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. You see, Jesus even filled Hades. There isn't a place you can hide. There isn't a place you can go where Jesus doesn't fill. He even fills Hades now. And he has delivered us from the death of Contained in Hades, Hebrews chapter two, verse 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same nature that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. Here's my favorite, Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. Coupled with, Paul quotes this in his writings in Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 deliver from the hand of Hades, redeemed from death. Death, where is your penalty? Hades, where is your sting? This is what the church believed to be the good news for the first thousand years. Jesus has forgiven and canceled our sin, and he has delivered us from death. So again, Orthodox Christianity believes that death and victory The death and victory over Hades is the turning point in all of life in Christianity. Death has been slain. But then something happens to change that view of the church. A great divide between west and east occurred. And it centered in this man that I'm going to show you here. This is Anselm, the archbishop of Canterbury. 1033 to 1109. He was the first to formulate the thought, a new line of thought that said, God cannot forgive our sins without punishment, leaving sin uncorrected. It's necessary to give God restitution, hence the term satisfaction. Anselm came up and was the first one to introduce the line of thought of substitutionary atonement it created a shift in the church world and in the faith world originally christ christ's work death burial and resurrection was aimed at death and destroying it he defeated it he sets us free from it but now in anselm's theory of atonement it's aimed at the father Now Christ pays our debt so that we can be forgiven. Originally, salvation was a victory. Now it's a transaction where we pay our debt to the Father with the blood of Christ. Now this satisfaction theory had legs and it grew and later other theologians contributed to it. You know, it's a very reassuring transactional basis that humans like. They need a legal transition, or uh, uh, I should say transaction between us and Jesus. There's something I need to do. We need to pay for this so that then God can bless us. So later theologians taught how Christ now accepted for us the debt of sin, and the cumulative debt that we couldn't pay. You've heard the term, there's even a song, He. He paid a debt I could not pay, I owed a debt he did not owe. <laughs> That's man's interpretation. That's man's inserting. And the church never believed it for the first 1,000 years. Still later, other theologians propose that Christ not only satisfies God's honor, he not only accepted death in our place, but he now takes the punishment that we deserve, and now enters the penal aspect of substitutionary death. This is now referred to as penal substitution. So when Anselm introduced substitution, the reason for the substitution that Christ had to make was to pay God back his honor. God has honor, our sin has dishonored God and offended him, and so Christ's death since he had plenty of merit and merit left over it was thought and stated now that merit is given to us even though we don't deserve it and God's honor is paid back then that continues to digress it continues to fall apart there's a word for that I'm looking for a D word devolve. It continues to devolve where other theologians bring in a penal aspect where Christ not only accepts our sin and dies for it but he's dying as a substitute for the wrath and punishment of God for sin that we deserved. For Anselm Christ died on the cross so that God would not have to punish us for our sins. Later with penal substitution the cross is the punishment for our sins. And I wanna remind you, the early church never believed this. The church and faith goers, faith believers, Christ followers never believed this for the first thousand years. You see, we've made it all about rewards and punishment. There's a heaven, there's a hell. You're going to one of two places. The good go to heaven, the bad go to hell. When we were in physical therapy with my wife for her, for her, uh, or your knee, what did you have done? She had a meniscus surgery, and there was uh, six weeks non-weight bearing, and during that time, PT physical therapy, and, and and they were teaching her how to go up steps, and how to come down steps. And here's what they told her to remember. All right, as God is my witness, I'm not making this up. This is the principle that they told her, so that she would remember. Because you you have to. When you're going up you lift one one of your two feet when you're coming down you lift a different So here's what they told her to help her remember The good go to heaven the bad go to hell So your good foot your good leg that you didn't have the operation on you lift it when you're going up and then the knee you had the surgery on follows the leg The foot that you had the surgery on follows. But when you're coming down, you reverse that because the bad go to hell. So the leg you had the knee surgery on, you put that, you step with it first, see? The world is steeped in this understanding of right and wrong, heaven and hell, good and bad, and it never existed in the good news that Jesus and Paul preached. Quoting Federica and her book here, The Two Views of the Cross. She says, A millennium after, a millennium after Christ and the disciples and the apostles and the good news being preached. A millennium after the New Testament was written. New thought gets introduced. Satisfaction theory And penal substitution. On a distant continent, a new idea, Christ's suffering and death paid the Father's great debt we owed for our sins, and all of a sudden we've gone from rescue to payment or repayment. In the West, and it's called the Reformed theology, this line of thinking now, penal substitution, substitutionary atonement, all of that's called the reformed way of thinking or the reformed theology. View sin as a legal matter. Sin is breaking the law, like going over the speed limit. Jesus pays our debt as a friend who would give us money for the speeding ticket. But that's not true in the Orthodox Church, and by the way, our Orthodox brethren in the East have never believed in penal substitution or in substitutionary atonement. It was introduced by Anselm. All right, a thousand years later. And the Eastern Orthodox Church and and our brethren in the East still don't believe it. They've believed one thing consistently. Jesus cancels sin and Jesus wrought the victory over death when he went into Hades. Christus victor. Is what the early church preached. So in the Orthodox view, sin is like a medical or medicinal matter. It's not a legal matter. Sin is death. It's like taking poison into yourself that you need a hospital for and need to be healed. You're not a bad person. You've drunk some poison. You're not isolated from God. You're not feeling good right now, and you need to get to the hospital. (laughs) See, that's how our Eastern Orthodox brethren still to this day teach the good news. Christ forgave all of your sin. Well, how can he do it if he didn't die for it? Mercy. God forgiving your sin does not require the death of Jesus on a cross shedding his blood. Now, Jesus on a cross for a very good reason and that's next week why did Jesus have to die that's next week on Easter morning but that death on the cross was not required for God to forgive your sin Jesus just cancels sin and debt Luke chapter 7 verse 41 he gave a parable a certain money lender had two debtors one owed him 500 denarii and the other 50 when they could not pay he canceled the debt for both of them That's the parable, (laughs) isn't that beautiful? If God required restitution or satisfaction before he forgave, then the Lord's Prayer, we all quoted it, right? Watch this. Then the Lord's Prayer would read something like this. We will forgive others' trespasses as soon as they pay satisfactorily for what they've done, just as you've taught us by the way you forgive us. Right? (laughs) Forgiveness does not count the cost forgiving without payment and restitution looks like this isaiah chapter 51 verse 16 and 17 you do not delight in sacrifice or i would bring it you do not take pleasure in burn offerings my sacrifice O oh god is a broken spirit and a broken contrite heart that's what god wants from us just a humility to say thank you oh jesus we glory in you thank you for forgiving us and thank you for winning the victory over hell you see, God is not a debt collector. He never has been. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses or their sins against them. Hey, dear ones, if God's not keeping record of your sins, why are you keeping record of other people's other people's sins? Now what, what's the love chapter called? First Corinthians chapter what? Right, 13, everybody knows this. It's called the love chapter. Paul wrote it in his letter to the Corinthian church. Many of you could quote a number of the verses in there. Did you know that verse five says this? Love does not keep a record. Now tell me something, what is God? Now, is God loving or is God love? You see, if he's just loving, he can change his mind. He can be having a bad day and not love us. God's not just loving. This isn't just like a character trait. God is love. He defines all that it is. And one of the things about God that makes him the God of love is that he doesn't keep a record. Here's that, though, that same translation in the New International Version. He keeps no record of wrongs. The Passion Translation, love this. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own. English Standard Version. Love does not remember wrongs done against it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 45, I love this. From the Passion Translation, this is God's nature. This is the good news, watch. Your ancestors have also taught, love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, pause, Jeff, bring it down. What I say to you last week about the authority of Jesus and that all scripture is not equal? Here's an example. Jesus said, you've heard it was taught to you from where? The Old Testament scriptures, right? Their law and the Old Testament scriptures. You've heard it said and your teachers taught you, but I say to you, He's superseding their previous teaching. All scripture is not equal. Let's put it back up, Jeff. Your ancestors have taught you, love your neighbors, and hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one who curses you, do something wonderful for the one who hates you, and respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them, for that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly Father. He is kind to all who, by excuse me he is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and rainfall warm and rainfall to refresh whether a person does good or evil interesting that's god's nature what is ours here jesus said this is what god is like and yet from our pulpits we preach that god does not forgive without shedding of blood He requires that first. There is a debt. He's angry, but Jesus stepped in and took that. It makes forgiveness a result of works. We'll talk in depth next week about that. I have an illustration of everything I've said. Now, this took me 15 minutes to get out, 15, 16, 17 minutes. Watch this, and in two minutes, you'll have everything I said.
1: When we first saw her, she was in a septic tank Every time I reached my arm, dirt kept falling down further and further and I couldn't reach her. Yeah, he's actually sitting in water. I tried to lure her closer with the food. He's licking his little lips. He's definitely hungry. And he finally moved a little bit closer. Okay, I think he's gonna start to eat, hopefully.
2: You got him? Oh, you got him in the mat. Oh my God. All right.
1: She was growling and she was hissing and she was trying to bite me through the net.
2: You okay? Oh my God. This is incredible.
1: It was even hard getting her into the carrier but she was trying to claw her way back out. All right. <laughs> oh my God, buddy. Look how dirty and muddy you are. <laughs> came home and that's kind of when we unwrapped the carrier, we took the lid off. It's okay, it's okay. She was mad and part of that too, she was in pain. Her legs just fell completely straight down and there's no movement. Thank god, his legs, they're like broken the other way. We're heartbroken because we know what that means. We knew it was going to be a struggle gave her the pain meds, and that kind of calmed her down a lot, because it took the pain away. Once we got her in the water, too, she knew that we were giving her that good feeling, so I think she started to trust a little bit. Let's do a refresh. The fat basically told us, just care for her, she's not going to walk, most likely we're like, she's not in pain. So we'll give her a chance to figure it out. Go best. We didn't really want her bragging herself very much, so I carried her around for weeks. What are you guys doing? Making breakfast. We knew that she was needing to get used to human contact, so we just kind of made her get used to it. (laughs) And she just slowly got less and less angry. So it was easier to handle her. We did a lot of stretching and exercises with her. We Just grabbing her by her little hind paws and pushing them up towards her. And then we noticed one day she bent her knees. As soon as we knew that she had some feeling, and we started to prop her up. We made her our own little walking harness, and I would hold her just where her feet would just be able to touch the ground. And then it was one morning, we heard her eating. We looked up and she was standing. This is amazing. And then she started to walk. Come. Come here. Go, see. Go, best. Oh, look at her. She's so good. She walks and she gets around great. She can jump. I think the emotional transformation has been even crazier than the physical one because she was so angry and now she's so loving.
2: What are you guys doing? Watching
1: TV. That's that? She loves us so much and she loves contact. She's recovered and she's gonna live a normal life. It's amazing. Wow, look at that. Wow, look at those co-moves. <laughs> What's going on over here? Why are you sleeping like that?
0: Oh, you're such a weirdo.
2: <laughs> Would
0: the Christ treat us differently? Do you, do you see how sin is a medical issue? <laughs> I don't know how that cat got there, but at that point, it wasn't about atonement theories. That cat just needed to be loved and held, forgiven, debt canceled. Screw the theology pardon my French, but that teaches us there is a debt and that God's wrathful and angry and so he inserted. That was never believed by the church until man inserted it. Now, these individuals who have inserted that are well-meaning, well-studied, godly, sincere, praying individuals theologians and so forth but I disagree with that interpretation. We are Christus victor. Well, we're going to receive communion this morning and so we're passing it out here, there. What a wonderful way for us to segue now into time of prayer. Salvation means to be healed and made whole. Sozo is the base verb of the softer of sotereo. So the soteriology of the Christ, our salvation. Wow. So why the blood Why the body next week and we'll receive communion again. So after supper, actually during supper, he broke the bread. He took it and said, take and eat, let's take. With this understanding of good news, we take and eat. And after supper, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. A new understanding. His blood didn't pay a penalty, didn't stop a wrathful God. His blood was a love offering. Demonstrating how much God loves us and the entire universe. While we were still in our sin, Christ died. Let's take a drink. tell me what you heard. We have a few minutes here. All right. So we're going to bring a microphone to you. Here it is. And I'm going to turn it on. You can have that just lightly playing real light in the background. One of the things that I liked about the video, Was that's the blue microphone. Hold on just a minute should be on One of the things that I first liked about the video about the cat and I think it also goes along with Your message was that the cat had to build trust Mm. and I think in forgiveness and atonement and all that other kind of stuff is there's an element of trust that goes along with beautiful understanding and believing and and feeling what Christ has done for us wonderful point let's be sure our live stream audience can hear those softer mics so computer way down please Thanks so
2: much.
0: What you got? What you got?
2: First of all, a scripture. Psalms 103, 11, verse 12. He removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. If you think about it, if you start at the North Pole and travel to the South Pole, eventually you start going back to the North Pole. If you start going east... You never meet West. You never start going West. And that means that God doesn't remember. God, the minute you sin, God doesn't account for it. Mm. Love keeps no record of wrong. Mm. Okay? They believe that even in the Old Testament, it was written. Not after Jesus came. God has always forgiven your sins. The second one, oh, that's not it. It's in Matthew Chapter 28, I'm just gonna paraphrase here. Basically, it says, God doesn't remember your sins. The only thing that you will be judged for is not blasphemy of God, not blasphemy of Jesus, but blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And again, that reinforces the fact that God doesn't remember your sins.
0: You can't remember them because they've been canceled. Oh yeah. Um something that I thought of while you were talking, um I was talking to a, a person in my life about this concept of uh everyone's forgiven, uh Jesus cancelled sin for everyone, not just people who say the prayer. Um and the person I was talking to said, I just can't believe that. I can't I'm not on board with everybody gets a trophy. And I think that's something that is cancerous in our culture that we believe we have to work for everything and if you didn't work for it You don't deserve it and you shouldn't have it Um, I'm not sure what the rest of the world believes, but I know that I grew up with that mentality that I Had to work hard to get what I what I deserved Um, And if you didn't work hard for it, and if you're not working for it, you don't deserve it Really important in fact I am mindful, and I'm typing it into my notes for next week right now, so bear with me. Uh, There is a parable that Jesus spoke regarding workers. Some started right on the hour. Some started three hours late, six hours late, nine hours late. And when they came in and turned in their time card, they all got the same pay. And the ones who had been working longer all day said, that's not fair. God's not fair. God isn't fair. He's love. God isn't fair. He's forgiving. He canceled our debt. Nothing else could pay it. Nothing. Jesus didn't pay a debt. God forgave it. great point. Thank you. Anybody else? I know it's shocking for us in the West. Reformed basically is is the category, the umbrella. To hear it stated that God did not pay the penalty for sin required by a wrathful God when he died on the cross. Again, next week, part three, why then did Jesus die on the cross? What was the reason? See, that's not fair. That's not what I was taught. Yeah, and out of that has come all kinds of foreign theology that the church never believed. Anybody else? Ralph inserts, think about this, everybody. What have our sins been canceled off? of. It says, what have our sins been canceled off? Not quite understanding. I'm sure I'm not, there might be a a typo. Is it our memory? Did they exist in the first place? Or were our sins an illusion? Yeah, something to think about. I know where it all started back in the garden when the serpent approached Eve, or excuse me, Adam, or Eve, Adam was standing there. He said, you're not enough like God. God knows if you eat this, you'll become more like him, which was a lie. Believing a lie could have a lot to do with, was it an illusion? It was a lie, that's for sure.